I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead and joining me as always, my co-host contributor at Mavs.com. The guest getter, the one more thinking. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Guys, we have a legend on today. I just want to hype him up as much as we possibly can. He is a fellow Kentucky Wildcat that I'm from Kentucky, but a lot of listeners know that uh, I grew up being a Tar Heel fan, um, which is a whole different story. But we do have the one and only Scott Tomlin today. Scott, just briefly, how has the past two months for you been just being at home and, yeah, embracing this all right now? Yeah, no, it's uh, – well, first of all, guys, thanks for having me. I have to be honest, when uh, Isaac reached out to me to ask me to be a guest, my first thought was, oh, my God, the hiatus is hit rock bottom where if this is where Mavs content is going, uh, we're going to need games <laughs> soon. Uh, but, uh, but Hey, no excited. I, I, uh, I'm excited to be here, worked with you both of you guys for a long time. So thanks for having me. The last couple months have been, been wild, you know, uh, starting on March 11th, that game is, as everybody has sort of seen, um, you know, the footage or, or you were there and it was just sort of, a surreal thing to, to, to sort of be on Twitter and see what was happening in Oklahoma city. And then to be on national TV, uh, you know, with, uh, playing what essentially was the last NBA game played, which is kind of crazy to think about. And, uh, you know, it was wild. Then, then we find out Doris Burke, who was commenting on the game, uh, contracts the virus. Uh, obviously she's come through healthy, thank goodness. And, um, but it's just been, it's been a wild couple months, kind of getting used to the new norm. You know, I've been in contact with a lot of the guys. A lot of the guys are doing um, inspirational videos or Zoom interviews or phone interviews um, here and there. And uh, but just getting used to, to the new virtual norm of the job. So a lot of you uh, may know Scott Tomlin, the vice president of basketball communications at the Dallas Mavericks. He runs their uh, PR department on the basketball side. A lot of you know, um, you know, you see kind of the, you know, maybe Mavs PR on Twitter. You see a lot of the, you know, press releases that goes out and things. Scott is behind all of that. He's behind all the you know information. A lot of people may not know his name, but you should. He's very important in the Mavericks organization. Scott, you've been with the Mavericks like as long as I can remember. When did you first join the team and how long have you been with the Mavericks? Yeah, I joined the team in the, during the 03-04 season. So that was, uh, so I've been there 16, 16 years. Um, and, uh, that season stands out as the Antoine season because we mm. had, that was the Antoine Walker, Antoine Jameson, uh, season. That was the season where they wore the, uh, really, really bad, uh, trash bag uniforms <laughs> that you were responsible and, for, right? So th- those, those were, uh, yeah, those, those were before <laughs> my time. I think, I think those were approved before I got to Dallas yeah, so okay. I responsibility for that. Um, but, uh, but that was the season that, uh, that I started and it's been, uh, it's been a hell of a run, man. It's been a lot of fun. Do those jerseys have a name internally or you just call them the trash bag, like the bad jerseys? <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. We ought to ask, we ought to ask Al Whitley, who was the equipment manager at the time, because, um, 
that's what I've heard them called. That's what people refer to when they say that I know exactly what they're talking about. I don't know if there's an internal name for them. Uh, but, um, but that was, that was, uh, that was wild and short lived. Very, very short lived. So, <laughs> so as the vice president of basketball communications, if let's say a, uh, a middle schooler, you know, a, a small kid and my kid's too young. He's like almost two, but <laughs> trying to think, yeah. yeah, a middle schooler walks up and says, Scott, how do you describe your job? Like, how do you define your job in the most simple terms possible? Uh, well, I would probably say I'm there to help promote the team. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think the team can, can mean I, I'm, you know, me and my department are there to promote the brand, uh, the, or the, the Mavericks as an organization. Um, but it's also there, we're there to help promote the, the individuals that make up that team. And, uh, and it's been, um, you know, it's, it's sort of, uh, you know, on the court with, you know, whether that's, whether that's talking to the media about the statistical trends or this, this guy's averaging a triple double over this stretch or whether it's promoting maybe something that, um, the guy is doing off the court or even if it's, you know, just, just a, a cool feature story idea about uh, something that's, that's happened in the guy's past. You know, we, we just sort of deal with all of those. And obviously majority is revolves around things that happen on the court. And, um, but, uh, but it's also fun to uh, sort of think about and, and help promote these guys and their personalities and these guys as individuals. Um, so I would, I would just sort of explain as, you know, we, we, we promote the players that wear the uniform. We promote the organization as, as best we can. Scott, when we knew that you were going to come on, one of the first things I thought of was just right now, there's so much access that people have. It seems like it seems, you know, national reporters know things that happen. I mean, Woj and Shams, like they tip the draft picks before they're even announced. Like they're like information moves so fast. Is there stuff or how much stuff happens behind the scenes that we don't know about as, as media? Like, are there stories that you're sitting on like, man, I'm really glad the media didn't find that out. You know what? Not not a tremendous amount. I think in this day and age, uh, the, the the NBA as a whole gives a lot of access, as you guys well know. It's you know, locker Rick talks you know two, sometimes three times a day if there's a shoot around. Um, so he holds three different media sessions. We have open locker room pregame. We have an open locker room postgame until all the guys are gone. And uh, and I think that that in general, you know, you guys as the media have a, have a ton of great access to, to develop relationships with these guys. And these guys uh, give you a lot of information, give you a lot of inside stories. Um, but not only that, but, uh, but when these guys are not in the gym, when they're out to dinner or uh, out with their families or uh, out on the town or whatever, whatever the case may be, everybody's got a phone, everybody's got a camera. Um, so I think it leaves, I think it leaves little to the imagination. Now, you know, sure. There might be a story of a guy that's maybe playing through an injury uh, that the media might not know about something, something like that. Uh, but in general, I, you know, I think that these guys, uh, you know, it, it is now such that these guys kind of live, that their lives are sort of an open book. And I, I do think that, that, the, the microscope is on them and, and the coverage is, is really well done. Would you say that's changed over the past, like since you first started 15, 16 years ago to now or just I access? Would. Yeah, yeah, I would. You know, there was really no social media back when we started, certainly no Twitter. And, um, you know, the, the, the news cycle back then was, 
was 20, was 24 hours. Now I feel like it's 24 seconds. You know I mean? You see <laughs> a guy says something in the locker room and you don't even have time to, uh, to, to talk to the beat writer who's, who's going to report that and maybe how they're going to report it. It's already been tweeted. You know, it's already been tweeted, uh, um, you know, uh, context sometimes be damned but sure. but i don't feel like you know but i don't feel like necessarily that you know people go around misquoting our guys that's certainly not what i'm saying but but you know is there's just there's really uh, news m- moves so fast there's so little discussion sometimes about uh about how how it might actually be reported or or that but i don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing i think that the good thing is that our fans want that and they want that in real time and um you know it, it, there are pros and cons to that i mean it's it's not nice to have a uh, rabid fan base that just wants content about your team you know yeah. that's that's uh we shouldn't look the gift horse in the mouth sometimes with that so for your for your spot in particular what's considered like a good day for you that you walk in the door at night and you're like that's a solid day is it a day that nothing happens and it's just chill. I'm going to coast through it. Or do you get like an adrenaline rush? It's a, it's a cool day when something big hits and you got to deal with all these moving parts and something crazy and action packed. What, what is a good day when you walk in at night? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that, I think that a, a good day is when you feel productive, you feel good at your job. I mean, some of the best days um, that I have, like you said, when you walk in and I put your feet up and, and, and reflect on whether you felt like you were good at your job today or just maybe a practice day where there's a ton of media and you get Dorian to come over and, and do a story for, you know, Fox Sports Southwest and, you know, somebody else is doing a story on the best shooters in the game and you grab Seth Curry and you bring him over to talk to this player and, and Brad Townsend's work on a story for the morning news he needs to get jj off to the side you bring jj over and you know uh, uh univision is there and they need a spanish speaker you can bring kp over and he's, he does an interview in spanish and you look around you're like man we, we checked a lot of boxes there we knocked out we, we knocked out a lot of things we we helped uh sort of garner a lot of coverage with the mavs so so like it, it almost i don't know i mean it, it, it i don't want that to sound boring because it's just like a normal day but those days those days are the ones where you feel like you got a lot accomplished those days when you feel the most productive, I think. What is the craziest thing a player has ever requested from you? Craziest thing a player has ever requested. Cause I'm like, I if a player I'm- has a request, like a lot of times they go through you guys for things, right? Whether it's a request for, we have a question later on about people requesting Dirk Jersey, but like just like requesting things from maybe a player on another team or just requesting something in general, yeah, is there is there yeah. a crazy request that sticks well, out to you over the years? You know, you know what? I don't I don't know how I don't know how crazy it was, but I thought it was hilarious. I'll tell you a quick story about Dennison the Junior. Dennison Junior. Um, uh, he had a guy that was around town that got his cell phone number, and the guy just kept hitting him up for tickets. And Dennis didn't really know the guy, and the guy was kept hitting him up for tickets. And I think Dennis just got tired of, of ignoring him or telling him no. So Dennis comes in and says, hang on, can we get this guy the worst tickets in the building? And so we get, so I go to the, I go to the ticket office and we, we, I mean, we got the guy up in the Sprite zone with his back against the wall, like last row of the American Airlines Center. 
And I don't, I think after that, maybe the guy was like, ah, maybe if I want tickets, I'll just get it myself. I won't, I won't ask them. You can give better tickets to Mavs games for like putting face paint on and standing out in yeah. Victory Plaza. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe that's what he did. Next time instead of asking Dennis, he, yeah. he, he painted his entire body blue and yeah. got the free, got the free ones in the lower level. Hey, well, I'm glad he contributed to the sellout streak. That's really good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, those, those, those guys up in the top, those are Dennis's guys. I guess. <laughs> do you ever have, uh, I mean, how often do, do players come to you and complain about media people like us or somebody else? Do people complain about us? No, <laughs> <laughs> you guys specifically a lot. Everybody no, it's, um, no, no, it's, um, not much, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get a lot of, I don't get a lot of complaints. Uh, you know, guys, I think come to me when they, when they think they got a dumb question, you yeah. know, when they're like, Hey, mm. did you hear what, uh, what so-and-so asked? I mean, what, what kind of answer did he want? You know? So like, every night every, <laughs> 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 there was, uh, uh, yeah, it was, uh, there was an international journalist. I cannot remember what outlet they were from earlier in the season that asked, uh, that asked Luca if, if he asked Luca, Luca, do you think LeBron is jealous of you? <laughs> and Luca no. was like, "What?" Luca, Luca was like, "No, I don't. I don't think so." And he gave his his typical like short kind of Luca answer, and then he came to me afterwards and was like, "Did you hear that?" Well, of course, LeBron's not jealous of me. What kind of question is that? Where did that come from? <laughs> so you know, every once in a while you'll get that, um, but well, by and large, these guys are are super professional and know that this is this is just you know, part of their job, which I appreciate, you know, cause I'm not going to say everybody that, that walks in, walks in the locker room to do media has to love it, but I appreciate when they understand that it's, it's yeah. part of the, It's just part of their job. Yeah. So one of the things, you know, about your job that I just found fascinating is like when something big happens and let's just quote incident, like a, something big happens with the team or a player, or anything, you guys are on the front lines of this, of how to handle the situation and the conflict and, and all of that. So what does that process look like? Something happens with a player, an incident outside of a basketball game, whatever. Who, what's the phone calls look like? Like who, it, how quick is it? Have you gotten a call like two o'clock in the morning that something's happened and you're trying to figure out press release stuff and making phone calls? Like what does that situation look like? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that no one will be surprised to, to, to hear that, that our organization and every organization is different. I'm sure, I'm sure chain of command is different for, for every, for the other 29 uh, people in, in my job across the league. But for us, you, you know, you won't be surprised to know that we go straight to Mark. Mark is, Mark is the mouthpiece of our organization. The buck stops with him. Um, he has, he, he is, he gives us very, very clear directives on how he want for him himself, how he wants to handle things. And it's, it's a huge, it is a huge asset to have that. Um, and you know, you look at, you look at other organizations and, uh, that, that person in some organizations may be the general manager or the president. Some organizations may, uh, for example, at the Spurs, it may be Popovich for the Oklahoma city thunder, maybe Sam Presti. You know, I don't, I don't know how all that goes, but for us, it's, it's Mark Cuban. Uh, that that's where the call is made. That's where the emails are sent. And that's where the conversation basically starts and ends. And then, and then everybody sort of gets on board with, with, you know, whatever that strategy is. Yeah. Hmm. And it's a huge, like, I can't, 
I can't thank Mark enough because there's, when you go to Mark and you need an answer and he gives you an answer, it's, it, you know, there's no gray area. That's what it is. He owns the team. Um, he helps us figure these things out. And, and that's how we, that's how we, uh, we move on. Mm. Loyal listener, Mark Cuban listens every single day. So thanks. Mark, thanks Mark Cuban's been on the pod before too. So he has, there you go. do you think, do you think, um, Mark's podcast will get more downloads than mine? No, no, no. Okay. Well, no. Mark's, is, Mark's is during the season. So it was during the season and Scott, different. Scott, you would appreciate this. He disagreed with me on the, on, on our, on our own pod because I asked him, I was like, Hey, I've been a proponent that JJ Bray should have his number retired. What do you think? You know, what, what does that look like? And, uh, no. Mark, yes. Disagreed with me on the pod that, that, that <laughs> probably won't happen. And that a ring of honor will be happening in the future probably. So uh, that was, a well, we'll see. There you go. So, so basically what, what you did, you had, you had a question need to be answered. Mark gave you that answer and that's where it stands. That's how my job goes. <laughs> and that that's becomes true. gospel, right? Like the, <laughs> that's it. That's uh, it. Do you have anything to do with Ring of Honor, Jersey retirements, things like that? Or did that just come, comes from the top down? Well, you know, those things, those things are, are you know, that, that involves a ton of people. You know, that, that involves our, our, our marketing team, you know, our operations team, Steve Letson, you know, who's fantastic. You guys know Steve who runs our facilities and our operations and broadcast. You know, we, we obviously collaborate with uh, – with the NBA on, on, on time, you know, extended half times or whatever we collaborate with Fox sports Southwest. There's a lot of things that go into, uh, that go into, to those sorts of things and, and big groups and huge brainstorm sessions and, and things of that, things of that nature. So, yeah. Th- and then of course, you know, when we're announcing something or when there are, are, are statements or interviews, whether that's uh, Mark talking about Derek Harper's Jersey retirement or lining up interviews for, for Derek himself, you know, that that's where kind of our department steps in a lot. Scott, I want to take you back a couple seasons ago. There is something that happened that we make jo- We make jokes about to this day. And it's just hilarious to us. Nerland's Noel halftime of a game walked into the media oh, room, oh boy walks out with a hot dog and a picture is posted on Twitter and it just flies all over the place. And we still make jokes about it to this day was on your end on, on the PR end of it. Was that overblown? Was that a thing that you worried about? Or did you just kind of let that, you know, be it like do it to whatever it was going to do and be a joke and let it go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> first of all, first of all, Nerlens, I have to say is a, a great dude. He is a great kid. And, yeah. um, I loved him in Dallas, man. He, he, he was great. And, and, and for, and for my, and for my, uh, for my department, he was phenomenal, man. He would, he'd do interviews. He would be, he'd do anything. You know. So did you guys have him on the, on this podcast? I know, uh, the Mavs, uh, I know, I think Bobby had him on. I don't Bobby Corella. Did yeah. you guys have him? No, I don't think he ever came on our podcast. I did a long Q and a with him and yeah, I, he was just one of the players over the years that I, kind of like Harrison that I got to know a little bit. And then I, I remember um, Rick Carlisle not being the biggest fan of me asking questions about New Orleans, but uh, <laughs> so yeah, I just stopped asking questions. about <laughs> Well, so, so I'm a big fan of New Orleans. He, he was a really, really good dude. And uh, the thing that I remember about this story uh, was that at that time, over the course of that season, and you'll have to forgive me because of timing, uh, 
uh, I don't know exactly what the timing was, but Nerlens had a very serious uh, thumb injury during that season, and so uh, it was one of those it was one of those injuries where a guy has to decide, okay, am I going to play through it? Am I going to rehab it? Or am I going to have surgery? That was sort of the decision he was, he was making. And so he was taping that thing up and, and, uh, and trying to, and, and, you know, being a good teammate. And and so at that point he was not playing a lot. I mean, it seriously hampered him. um, And he was maybe like the third, 12th or 13th guy uh, on that, uh, you know, on that active list. And so I think Nerlens had had a couple of DMPs, and, and but it, but you know he's the emergency center at the end of the bench you know with his with his thumb taped up, and I think that he probably just got hungry and and knew knew that he could go down there and get a hot dog. Now, having said that, I have to say I have to say, guys have all kinds of routines at halftime. You got guys that you have guys that that eat something at halftime. You have guys that maybe drink coffee or energy drink at halftime. You got guys that change their jersey, want a, want a new jersey at halftime. You know, so so there, there's a lot of things that go on in that 14 minutes. I think that maybe when you think about it, you think Rick and the coaching staff is in there coaching them up and making adjustments that whole time. Well, Rick's staff meets and makes adjustments. Then they meet with the team very briefly about what those adjustments are. And then the guys go back out and warm up. And so so really, there's a lot of time for those guys to do whatever their routine is. Now, the one thing I found it funny, I didn't think it was a big deal. Um, but the one thing that we talked to Nerlens about later was that, hey, man, if you want a hot dog, that's not a big deal. But we have locker room attendants that you can send down there and they can get you a hot dog. It's not, you know, but, but to Nerlens' point, he was like, oh, I, now I didn't need to send anybody. I can go down there and get it. It wasn't a big deal. You know, I think he thought he was, you know, saving somebody a trip. Yeah. But, uh, mm. but yeah, that one was... When, when the again, everybody's got a camera in their pocket. Of course, somebody was going to put that on on social media. <laughs> oh, okay. We so, appreciate them doing that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think it was Tim McMahon was the first one to tweet it out. Classic, I believe it was Tim. classic. Tim. Yeah, classic Tim. Classic um, Tim. Okay, so let's let's go back to a, a memory for Mavs fans. I mean, it's the best memory of all in this 2011, and we could really talk about 2011 all day. But there's one moment that. I wanted to ask you about because Mavericks win the title. They win game six in Miami. Dirk runs off the floor and climbs over the chairs, goes off the floor, goes into the locker room. It's a moment we all, yeah, we replay it in our head and he's emotional. He leaves. Everyone else is still on the court kind of celebrating, congratulating each other, blah, blah, blah. But Dirk goes in the locker room and cameras can't follow him in there. But to my understanding, you were one of the people that went in there, right? And, what if you can share about those moments when you went after him, what was that? What was he doing? What was those moments like? What was that conversation like? Yeah. What happened in there? Yeah. So, um, so as, as, as kind of the time ticked off the clock there in, in game six in Miami, there's a few things you guys should probably that, that kind of led to why Dirk was just free to jump over the scores table. So we already had been told that Dirk was going to be named MVP, right, of the finals. So, uh, so it was me um, and Sarah Melton and Alan Rakowski. Right? We were the PR staff down in Miami. And so it was – we were told, okay, Dirk's going to be the MVP. So, uh, so he's going to do his interview – 
hand in the trophy and they hand in the MVP. So there is no, he doesn't have to do a walk-off interview. And so so-and-so, ABC wants so-and-so, uh, ESPN Radio wants so-and-so. So I was going to go grab Jason Kidd for an interview. Thanks, Sarah. Jet, I think Alan grabbed Tyson. So I go and I grab Jason Kidd. And while he's standing, I, I grab him. I get him to the reporter that's doing the interview with Jason Kidd. And I see Dirk go over the scores table. And the, the, the thing about that was they bring this rope out and they rope everything off so that people can't get on to the court. So really the only way to get off the court was to go over the scores table. So, you know, when you see a seven-footer step up on the scores, they obviously going to catch your attention. So I saw him go back there. And so Jason's doing his interview, and I'm sort of confused, and I know that they're bringing out the stage and, the, you know, the, the scaffolding and the stage to put up and so to, for, the, for the trophy ceremony. And so I just follow him back there. I'm like, well, eventually I'm going to need Dirk to come back out here. He's about to accept the, you know, the, the Larry O'Brien trophy and then the – the MVP, uh, finals MVP. And so I, the only thing I could do was climb over the scores table too. I didn't do it quite as gracefully. I wish I had a video <laughs> of that, uh, me going over in my suit and trying not to fall. But Tim Frank, who's the senior VP of communications uh, at the NBA, is the gentleman that you always see follow in the suit that's always following Dirk, looking very confused as Dirk walks back that hallway. That's Tim Frank at the league office. And so – when I get back there, Tim is in the locker room. And uh, in, in Miami, it's a very open locker room. You walk through the training room to get into the locker room. It's open. I walk back there, Tim's staying in the locker room, and I don't see Dirk. And I look at Tim, and I say, hey, you know, where's, where is he? And he says, he's in the shower. What, what, what's he doing? And I said, well, I don't know. So I go in there, and Dirk is just – he's emotional. And, uh, and I, I, had, I had talked to Dirk about – uh, the summer of 2008, when he finally took Germany to the Olympics, mm. he had told me how, um, how emotional winning that game, winning that qualifying game and getting into the Olympics was. So it, it n wasn't maybe necessarily a surprise to me that, this, that he would maybe react the, similarly when, when finally winning a world championship. So I go back there. And uh, he's, he's, just, he's very emotional. He's in the shower. There's a bench in the shower. He's very emotional. And, uh, and the, the one thing that I remember is I said, hey, man, we've got to get you back out there, man. We're gonna, you know, they're about to present the trophy when, when ABC comes back from commercial. And he says, I, okay, I'll, get, I'll come. I'll just, I need 30 minutes. And I said, 30 minutes? I said, man, I don't even know if we have 30 seconds. And, um, and he's like, I just, I just need time. And uh, the one, the only thing that I could think to say was, hey, man, you just led us to this moment. If you're not out there when they present the trophy, it, I think it's going to be something that you're going to regret. I mean, you need to be out there and, and accept that trophy with your teammates. You got them here. And, uh, and he didn't say anything. And he just stood up and walked out. And I followed him out. And he went um, to the stage. And, um, you know, that was back when at the end of the season, Dirk would – Dirk would leave and, and go back to Germany for a lot of the summer. And uh, I remember um, the day before he left, I, I had framed a picture of him holding the trophy with his teammates around and dropped it off to him at his house. Because I just, I just remember, I was like, man, thank, 
God, he went back out there. Yeah. I mean, it just, it wouldn't, it would not have been the same. And so, um, certainly, certainly a, a very special moment for me, you know, to be able to experience something like that as a professional, but also just as, just as a guy that has worked so long with Dirk and am lucky to call him a friend. And, you know, it's, it's just a, it's just a really cool moment. I'll never forget it. Do you think that if you weren't there, he would have just stayed back in the locker room and missed the trophy presentation? Well, I don't know. I think he, you know, I mean, it's a good question because if, if nobody had gone back there, I don't know. I don't know that he would have made it on time. I don't know if he would have actually sat there for, for, for 30 minutes. I don't know what it, but I think that he needed to get away and uh, I don't, I don't know how long he would have stayed if it. So I don't know, man, I'm just glad he went back out there and, uh, and um, love that, love that picture of him holding it up with his teammates all surrounding him. Mm. Uh, that's, that's a really cool, cool memory for me. There's a thousand things I could say to that. Well, first <laughs> off, th- thanks for sharing that because I've always wondered. Yeah. I've always wondered exactly what that, what that moment was like. Cause I mean, even in Mavs fans that just, you just love the Mavs watching that. And a lot of you guys listening to this, I mean, a lot of you guys were like emotional watching that, that, uh, them winning the title and seeing Dirk just walk off emotional and almost makes you more emotional. And I've always wondered what happened in that locker room. And so I really do appreciate you, uh, answering that question yeah no I'm, I'm happy to that was um yeah that was definitely a, a a highlight for me so i don't i don't talk about a lot but I, you know it's it was it was a cool moment for sure did dirk seem different to you after that title like when he came back you know following was there a difference in his demeanor difference in the way that he's you were around him pretty much every day yeah i i think so i think he's i think he carried himself like there was just this huge weight um lifted off off his shoulders and i i distinctly remember him going to the all-star following that following his championship he went to a all-star weekend i remember thinking this when you go to all-star weekend um all the all-stars do kind of this media circuit takes them like 90 minutes and they'll go from room to room to room and 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 uh you know, they'll do ABC and then they'll do sports center and then they'll do serious NBA radio and then they'll do, you know, whatever. And so he's doing the circuit and, um, and, uh, he just, this is when it hit me. He was just so much more comfortable in, in his own skin. It felt like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the thing is, I, I think I saw people treating him differently. Everybody was happy for Dirk. Like you go to the all-star and that's the, that's the big media event of the, you know, of the season and everybody was, was happy for him. You know, he sits down and does a podcast with Bill Simmons and he just, he's, you know, I don't want to say like, I felt like you finally got the respect you deserve because I do think that Dirk was always well respected for what he was doing, but like almost now for everything that he accomplished, he, he kind of got like most like the reverence he deserved. And, uh, I remember watching him do that circuit, uh, specifically and thinking oh man this is cool because everybody's happy for him it's a fun weekend right so everybody's guards are down there's no hard-hitting journalism it's just you know just media members just kind of cutting it up with these, with these all-stars and doing kind of fun uh feature type interviews and i remember just thinking oh man this is great like this is great to see all these people tell him how happy they were for him um because i, th- I, I do think that that was the general consensus around the league from uh, from you know Dirk retiring and then going into to this season, I guess what has changed 
I guess about the, just the Mavericks and being in the locker room and seeing, you know, the players and interacting with them, what has changed from, you know, Dirk's retirement? Like what has changed now that Dirk is like out of the picture a little bit? Yeah. You know, I, I think that, that Dirk and a lot of the players that were there with him um, created sort of a, a culture with the Mavs that sort of continues. It's a, it's a really like, it's a cool, fun family kind of atmosphere. Uh, there's a lot of people that um, on the basketball operations side that have been around for a long time that offers a lot of stability. And so, you know, whether that's, you know, uh, our, our athletic trainers, Casey and Dion, I mean, obviously Donnie and Keith Grant, um, Rick's been there now 12 years. And, um, and, uh, and so, you know, you, you think about, you think about the stability. And I think that that, 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 makes it so that the the culture stays the same and and Dirk was you know Dirk was one of those uh lead by example guys and uh and most of the guys in that locker room uh, played you know played with with Dirk and and so they they kind of know kind of what you know kind of how the Mavs just you know, take care of their business and so I would say that it's you know of course we miss seeing him every day and he has not been around often you know he he's he's traveled with his family and uh, he's really enjoying retirement. I think he came to maybe two or three games, uh, and and so um, so it's just it, it's one of those things where where it's it's been different because obviously we all we all miss seeing him, wellness being around him, but I think that the, the culture still remains. There you go. That's part one of our conversation with Scott Tomlin. Check back tomorrow for part two. More inside Maverick stories that you can't get from anywhere else. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Boom.